Welcome to Improv Interview. I'm Margot Escott, and if you know anything about improv, I don't have to really say much about our next guest. He's really well known in the field of improvisation, and he has many, many talents. And what I'd like to say about this gentleman is I first took a workshop a few months ago, and I've been studying with him, and uh, I consider him a wonderful coach, teacher, and a friend, I think. <laughs> Hi, David Rosowski. Hello, <laughs> uh, So, let's start with a couple of things I've heard you say. Improv is acting. Right. Uh, I think that when I, I, I watch a lot of improv, and I think a lot of people, um, uh, a lot of people look at improvisation and they think that it's just parlor games, which is just, it's just fine. It's fine. But keep in mind that whenever we're doing any kind of improvisation, we're taking on a character, we're taking it on a different point of view. And the beautiful thing about taking on a, a different point of view is we're not connected to the self we're not connected to our ego and and when we allow ourselves to know that we're acting we let go of the ego because we're not being us we're being this character and it frees us in a way that we go to places that we we being david rosowski uh would not historically go to because i'm not david rosowski i'm i'm a character i'm playing a character who is i don't know with 007 or i'm playing a character who's a uh, who's a woman or I'm playing a character that's an old man and when and I'm, I'm neither of those things but if I'm acting I get to pretend and this is all about pretending and freeing yourself from being yourself so when I first worked with you I saw a completely different aspect of doing improvisation now you have a long history with improv you started many years ago right how long ago and you've been a director at I think Second City and worked with a different many different people I guess you worked with Del Close what was Del Close like um Del was uh Del was like any good teacher he, there's a there's a shamanistic quality to him because any good teacher is going to take you to places that you've never gone before it's almost uh you know they're, they're your guide and Del was a guide and get Del I I just been uh I spent a year prior to working with Dell, uh, with a company called Geese Theater Company that performed in prisons across the United States. And the teacher that we had at that, uh, at that time, uh, John Bergman was the founder of Geese Company for Prisons. Uh, the teacher that we had at that time, I found him to be, uh, he, was, he was driven, he was focused, he was interesting, he took me out of myself, he allowed me to go to places that I would never go to before. Uh, and I loved that guy, John Bergman, really, really great director, teacher, we, you know, we, we fought, uh, we really fought a lot. Um, and then I went right from there to working with Dell. And I wasn't in need of a guru. But at that time, what I did realize was something was happening within the theater community. And what was happening, this is 1983, 84, what was happening was improvisation was finding its own. Improvisation was going to a place that it had never gone to before. Improvisation was was, was vibrant and alive. And, and keep in mind, nobody was doing this kind of work prior to this. I mean, there are maybe two improv companies in the entire United States. It, it, there's countless amounts now. So Dell, Dell introduced something called the Herald to the world. And the Herald was, uh, you want to call it like an, it's almost like a three act improvised. It was like almost an improvised three act play. Uh, where nobody really knew what was going on. All that you knew was there was a structure. And he and this woman, Sharna Halpern, came up with the structure. Uh, and Dell was a curmudgeon. And Dell was 
a mean man to a lot of people. Uh, I stayed out of his way uh, to the point where I worked with him for two years and he really never knew my name. Um, <laughs> uh, but I got a tremendous amount out of him. What, what I got out of that was know as much as you can know, read as much as you can read, be curious, know that all acting is improvisation. Uh, uh, don't push things, let things come to you. So he would introduce things like transcendental meditation uh, and, and he, he knew Lenny Bruce and he was so well read and he was just a good, he was great with his imagination and he was really great getting you to go to places that you wouldn't historically go to which again is just the shamanistic uh a, a, a great a great shaman a great guide a great spirit uh taking you to places and ultimately knowing that you are there alone you're on your own in those places but telling you that you're there uh knowing that you're there it was very trippy oh, i bet it was so Improv is meditation. I agree with that. Improv is uh, starting out, it's sort of when you, it's similar to uh, the beginning of a meditation practice. And when I say a meditation practice, I mean uh, finding that comfy chair, sitting on that comfy chair and allowing you to just sit and be and just be and start, start with, with tabla rasa, start with a feeling that start with the idea that you have an empty slate and when you have an empty slate when things start coming to you, you become aware of them uh, thoughts and and feelings and emotions and the thing about meditation is all those things come to you and they go through you we, we allow them to go through us and the mindful part comes in when something happens and the mindful part comes in where something happens and we go, oh, you know what? I am mindfully going to be aware that I, I'm grabbing onto that. I'm going to be aware that I am letting myself think about that and feel that. And improvisation is about being aware and mindful and present to those thoughts that you're feeling in that, those thoughts that you're thinking and those feelings that you're feeling the moment that you're feeling those feelings. I don't know if it was Dell that said it, and I'm sure many people have said it, don't think. Well, Yes. I'll tell you about that note. I think it's an, I think it's only half a note because so many teachers tell you what not to do. A good teacher tells you what not to do and then follows it up with what you should do. So the line don't think is only the note. Don't think is only half a note. The other half of the note is what you have to do. So if you go, don't think, that's stopping me. Okay, what do I do? Don't think, feel. And that's what, that's what we do. A good storyteller is somebody who you don't even know is telling you a story because they're expressing themselves in an emotional connection, an emotional content, emotional context. And uh, it's a matter of saying, I, I am feeling this right now. What am I going to do with that feeling? I am feeling this feeling right now. This is what I'm feeling right now. And it's, it's very... It's very freeing, but to just say don't think isn't enough. To say don't think, feel. Uh, so that's where we are with that. Got it. What about words like ego? You mentioned ego a couple of times, and how would you define the ego? Well, the ego, I define the ego not in a, not in a Sigmund Freud way, but sort of in an Eckhart Tolle way, or how do you say his last name? I'm not quite sure. Um, ego, for me, is that voice that is in your head saying 
this is right, this is wrong, this is good, this is bad, this is old, this is new, this is funny, this is not. Um, you're fat, you're thin, you're handsome, you're, you're, you're disgusting. Uh, it's all that judgment that we have in our heads. And that judgment never really serves anything other than to uh, stop us from moving forward. It's a great way of having resistance. And it's a great way of not only allow yourself, not allowing yourself to take that next step, to get involved in that next relationship, to engage in that next project. Because the voice of the ego does not want you to change or to move forward or to connect in any way. It wants you to sit in a room, sit in a bed, and just think about yourself. And that is such a rabbit hole to go down, a black hole to go down. And we weren't born to do that. What we're born to do is, is, is to spread our wings, to fly, to, to take ourselves to places that we've never gone to, to, to have relationships that we would never have, to experience things that we've never experienced before. And the great thing about improvisation is it allows you to do all of those things. Because when you think about improvisation, and, and I know that I say all improv is acting, but when you think about acting, you think about theater. When you think about theater, you think about props. When you think about props, you think about costumes and sets and all those things. But in improvisation, we mime all those things. So that really frees us to go anywhere that we want to go, as long as we have the support of other people who are also of the mindset of creating something wonderful right away. Games. Um, games. Because every beginning class I've ever been in or taken workshops starts with games. And that's not your teaching. No, awesome. no. Um, my teaching isn't about games because, uh, my, no, I do not teach games. Um, very often we'll but teach games. You used to, you used to, right? Oh, I used to when I worked with other people. When I worked for other people, I used to. And I'm really glad that I did because you outgrow it. And, and, and games, uh, you know, I don't know if your listeners know what, what games mean, but games are improvisational structures uh, that have a, 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 a beginning, a middle, and an end, and a result. A result. Uh, the result being uh, somebody has to guess what it is that, that you're, you're wanting them to say. Uh, another game would be the alphabet game, which is uh, we start with, say we start with A and every sentence that I say, you know, we, it, it's, um, I start with A, my first sentence starts with A, your first sentence starts with B, I go back to C, you go back to D. So these are structures and games and what they're basically put there for is for you to be able to distract yourself from the fact that you're making this up as you go along. Because now you're following rules as opposed to uh, coming up with something that's, that's organic, uh, coming up with something that's, uh, that doesn't necessarily have rules. So what we do is we'll teach the games first and then we'll have everybody let go of those games. Um, my feeling is, can we teach people to connect without having it be about games? Uh, without having to do games because games also tend to put you in your head. Am I doing this right? Am I doing this wrong? You know, like that as opposed to, and you know, so as opposed to we're doing a mini play. Um, that's what we're going to do. We're going to do a four minute play. Uh, a game tends to be that you won, you figured it out or we finished and uh, we did the entire alphabet. Um, I'm not interested in that. It's, it's too much pressure. Let's teach people to be here now, to be connected emotionally now. Let's teach people that. Authenticity. 
it's your true self. Like, what are you feeling in that moment? And do you have the courage to state your emotion? Do you have, I mean, do you have the courage to state your point of view? What is it that you're feeling right now? And can you say it? The people that I really love to watch, they may not be, uh, love to talk to, love to watch. They may not agree with everything that I say, but I do know who it is that they are based upon what it is that they're, they're expressing in that moment. And the people that are in, inauthentic, I think are, they're, they, they're not being vulnerable, they're not being connected. And the, the psychopaths of our, the psychopaths and sociopaths of our world are people that have figured out how to connect to people without showing, how to seem to be authentic when they're really being guarded or uh, um, disconnected from me. Now, did you start off as an actor? Is that what you wanted to do initially? Uh, yeah, yeah. When I was in, when I was eight, my folks uh, got, took me to the Bernard Hart Jewish Community Center and I auditioned for, I didn't audition. Uh, I was in a, a theater class. I remember my mom setting me up to go to a class called um, Drama. I was like, I remember asking her, what's drama? What does that word mean? Um, and it was really like, and she explained it as best she could. I don't remember how, but I do remember we were at the front door and I was putting my coat on. So I remember that. Um, heading off to a drama class. She signed me up for two classes, a drama class, and she signed me up for a pottery class. And uh, pottery. She wanted to get rid of you, huh? Well, it was, it was that we, we moved around a lot when I was growing up and I think that she was worried that I wasn't going to have any friends and that came to bit to bite her a little later on when I got, when I got into drugs. So, um, uh, so I was at the, I was at the Bernard Horst Jewish Community Center uh, as a student and the director of that or the teacher there, her name was Esther Wykell and she said, I want you to audition for this show. And I was like, audition show? Uh, and I auditioned for it and that was the beginning. I think it was 10. So I'm going on my 50th year of, of theater. So yes, I started with that. And then I took a five-year hiatus to get a degree in journalism at Northern Illinois University. Uh, I was a photojournalist for a number of years. Uh, and then I came back to Chicago. And as I said before, it was a very interesting time. There were, there were theaters opening up in, in storefronts and uh, the theaters that were existing were bigger and wider and oh, it was just theater was exploding there and improvisation was exploding at that time. And, uh, and I, I was just at the right place at the right time with the right people. Uh, but it, uh, it, it, it gave me direction and certainly the direction was that I wanted to be an actor. So you're teaching regular games and you're plodding along. And was there an aha moment when you said, there's a better way to do this, or I want to do something different when you started to go down the new road when working for yourself, of course, I guess was part of it, huh? Um, no, no, not, not that. What, uh, I always felt that there was something, I, I felt that my, my teaching was different than other people's teaching. And I felt, I found myself connecting to people less in a way about improvisation and more in a way about, forgive the expression, self-improvement or self-actualization, self-realization. Uh, so that started to really become a part of using improvisation to get people to um, 
see themselves, uh, to have confidence in themselves, uh, to step out of their self in that Freudian way. I guess self would be Freudian, was it? Uh, to, t- to step out of their self, themselves, their self, and uh, and fly. And the people that I I saw that were very successful had tremendous amounts of confidence. And uh, I wanted to help people have that confidence. Um, and that's when I started to look at some things a little differently. And anybody who teaches as much as I taught, you either get burned out or you'll find the next level of what it is that this offers you. And uh, I found the next level of what it was that it offers me, offered me. And then, um, and then I, uh, I just kept working, uh, working on it and seeing what people's challenges were and making that the impulse for me to come up with different exercises, uh, which is very exciting to me. And these exercises had less to do with your improv games and more to do with skill sets like speaking your mind and being aware of where you are, uh, because I saw, I saw that was lacking. Um, and I think it was lacking because each school has their own uh, branding that they've got to get across. Uh, and I, I didn't see Second City as necessarily having a branding. One of the teachers that I had, uh, Martin DeMott, he had this great phrase. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, I am the midwife to your voice. I am the midwife to your voice. And I felt like, oh, that's exactly what this is. I am the midwife to your voice. I'm not here to tell you what to say. I'm here to tell you to say it. And I love that. Beautiful. Uh, and, and it really, really is beautiful. And, and everybody that has ever studied with Martin uh, has that same philosophy. Is, and that philosophy takes you away from you and makes it about collaboration. How can I help you to connect to you? How can I help you to connect to you? Uh, and then I discovered this book called Buddhism Plain and Simple by Steve Hagen. And I realized, oh, oh, this is all about Buddhism. Uh, and I, I uh, read a few books on that. I wouldn't call myself a Buddhist, but I certainly read some books on that. And it changed the way that, and that was another turning point in my, uh, in my career. It's incredible the parallels that improvisation has with so many other different philosophies, systems, um, even the applied improv movement is huge today. Um, I know you've had some psychotherapy in your life, a little bit. A lot. A lot, a lot. And as a therapist, when I did my first improv class, I saw immediately therapeutic benefits. My mind just went there right away. Um, And so therapy and improv, what do you think? Oh, for sure. I mean, when I was in therapy, my therapist, um, I stopped stopped going to therapy. uh, It'll be two years the end of October. Um, and it was only because I was with this guy for 11 years and he retired and, um, his name was David and he retired. And, uh, it was such an interesting time for him to retire. He retired a week before, uh, the last presidential election. And we saw how that went and, uh, two months before my mom died. Uh, so that was very interesting in that way because I felt like, it wasn't, he didn't mean this, but I felt as though the universe was telling me 
you can handle this by yourself on your own. Um, and while he was talking, this was uh, behavioral, what's the behavioral, his style? Behavioral. What's that? Cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, cognitive behavioral therapy. And so that's what he did. And I connected to that right away. That's exactly what I wanted. That's exactly with whom I wanted to work. Um, I, I liked that. I appreciated it. And one of the things that I love about it was, at least the way that he's saying, and maybe this isn't right, but the past is the past. And all that we can do is deal with, with the way that we look at things that are happening right now. Is that fair enough to say that that's what that is? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So that, it, there, there is not another form of therapy that's closer to improvisation than that. Because what hap the past is the past and all that we, have, all that we can deal with. In a, uh, the, the easiest thing for us to deal with is what are we feeling right now? Um, and I had a lot of guilt. I had a lot, uh, and anybody who's doing an improv scene would go, oh my God, I really fucked that improv scene up. Um, so if you have a, uh, like that doesn't help. Um, all that matters is holding on to the moment that we have and realizing that in the past when I have been uh, exposed to this scenario, whatever the scenario is, I would behave in this particular way. Now I'm aware of this is what's happening, aware being the major part. Now I'm aware of this is what's happening. Historically, I would have gone in that direction, but I am going to look at this moment, hold on to this moment, and be in charge of my reaction to this moment at this moment using the past moments as my guide. Exactly. And that's very empowering. I appreciate that story because they have, those are significant losses. They have one after another. So great, great story. Um, suggestions. Uh, you for what? Yeah, you don't use suggestions at all. No, I don't use suggestions at all. And um, that's anathema to, uh, to, to most improvisation. Not all, but most. Um, I feel like, I, I don't, I don't know that I, I don't, I've outgrown suggestions and what I've outgrown is the, the suggestions that people give. Um, and I then had to ask myself, why do people take suggestions? Cause they want the audience to feel involved. The audience is there. They're watching you. They're voyeurs. They're connected to what's going on. They're already involved. They're using their imagination in real time the same way that you're using your imagination. They're making discoveries the way that I'm making discoveries. They're making discoveries simultaneously as I'm making those discoveries. I don't know another. Um, I don't know an, an, another um, art form, anything where everybody watching everybody in this one particular room, let's call it a theater. Everybody in this one particular room has the same amount of information as everybody else in this one particular room. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. It's very cool. Right now, I start a scene with you. You and I, Margot, are in the scene. You have as much information as I do about what's going on. The audience has as much information as I do about what's going on. The audience has as much information as you do about what's going on. So why do we have to have suggestions where it's all discovery at that moment, right then and there? I don't, I don't, I look at that and go, I don't need your, I don't need your dumb suggestions. I always say dumb suggestions because here's the thing. 
you would think that there was only a spatula in a kitchen. You know, that, that's all, like, accordingly, like, you think that's only a spatula in the kitchen. Um, I, I, I also, I don't need to prove to you that I'm improvising. I, you know, if the show is called The Improv Show with the Improviteers at the Improvatorium, um, I don't think, and, and you think that the scene is not improvised, then I am doing an amazing job of magic because I'm making you think that this was all written. And none of it was. And I think you, I've heard you say that when people have all these suggestions, okay, I have to be um, a shorter cook in a spaceship, uh, eating zucchini, and then they get into their head, they get into their thoughts again. Right, right. It's the idea, you know, if I say, you're okay, uh, because we go, if you're an improv, if you're in an improv, if you're in an improv class, everything has to be okay. So let's say you are a robot hooker who is an electrician and you are baking cupcakes. I'm sorry. I'm not going to do that stupid scene. I'm not even going to, for me, I feel like I don't even want, I don't want, I don't, I don't want to determine who it is that we are business card wise until later on, because the most important thing is how do I feel about you? That's all that matters. How do I feel about you? So no, I'm not going to take your suggestion. <laughs> so I know that you've been working on a book and we've been talking about it and uh, tell me about the process of writing a book and uh just talk about your process okay great um i've been asked to write a book for years and years and years um my work is really uh again it's about about spirituality but there's also a methodology to what it is that i'm doing and um i it took me the longest time i was in uh i was in detroit uh with a teaching class in detroit and i was talking to the guy that runs the theater out there uh pj and i was I said to him, this was, this was in March or February something. And I said, he goes, when are you going to write a book? I was like, I don't know. I don't want to write an improv book. And he said, he said this, and it's so stupid. He said, then don't write an improv book. I was like, oh my God, I don't have to write an improv book. <laughs> this is what I, so, th so the process was this. Over the years, I've been collecting quotes that I have, I've said in my classes that are about seeing the world through improvisation. I've also been amassing quotes from people that are artists or world leaders that were quotes about living your life and being mindful of your life. I also have another, you know, for me, there's also my methodology of how I do this. So it was about accepting, like finally putting on paper how I feel about the quotes that I've been saying and explaining those quotes, taking the quotes that other people have been saying and how does that how, how, how do I see those wonderful uh, words? And then also explaining the fundamentals of what it is that I've been doing. And one of the things that I read uh, Stephen King's book on writing, he said, just sit down, just sit down and write it. Just sit down and let the words come out and worry about everything else later on. And every time you sit down, you don't have to write, you could just sit. Because sitting is also part of writing. Allow yourselves to just sit. And um, 
I have a, uh, I have a, a clock. I'm going to show you this clock. You see that clock? It's just, it's my phone with a digital clock. And uh, whenever we're, you know, I'm teaching, I have a little stand that I keep it on. And I tell myself, I have three hours to sit here. It's three o'clock. I'm going to be here till six o'clock. Every time I write a little bit, I get to go uh, to Facebook and see what idiocy is going on over there. So, and then what ended up happening is slowly I, I amassed 40 to 60, 40 to 45,000 words. And then I go, now let's give another go through to see what did I spell wrong? What isn't clear here? Then I did another go through. So I did four or five different go throughs. And now, and then I came up with a title. Um, and the title is um, The Improv Lesson, which I think really works because it's about improv and it's also about the lesson that we get from improv. Um, so I have that. Uh, and again, I don't really know what it is, but the most important thing is don't get ahead of yourself. Don't start imagining what, who the publisher is or what the, you know, can I go to Barnes and Noble and stand in line and will there be a book reading? It's like, just do your stupid book. Just write your stupid book. Um, the hardest part that I'm discovering right now is people who said that they would read it for me and then I'd send them out and then they don't. And when I was like, I have a friend who says, just throw money at it. So now I'm at the, fuck it, I'm going to pay somebody to, to give me notes on that book. Um, someone that doesn't know me. Uh, so that's where I am right now with it. I was really excited to get the title. That's what I was very excited about. I, I love it. Yeah. I love it. So I'm sure you went through a myriad of feelings, but what were some of the feelings you were experiencing writing and rewriting? And um, I always get surprised that when I write something and then I read it later on, it's like, oh, I really explained that very well. Uh, the major thing was to, going back to ego, was to know, is to know that nothing creative has ever come between a romance, between ego and inspiration, nothing. So the moment that ego comes in, I am aware of feeling that, like, why do I suddenly have doubt about this thing and saying, oh, I know because I'm connecting to my ego. I know what I'm saying. I know when I'll be done. I also know this, and this is a major part of it. The book is going to be what the book is going to be. It is going to be that. This chapter is going to be the length that that chapter wants to be. That sentence is going to be what the sentence wants it to, itself to be. It's up to me to do one thing, express myself so that anybody's reading this could have my voice in their head reading it, can hear me saying the words that you are reading on that page and say, that sounds like David. So it goes back to the question about what's your authentic self. My authentic self is going to be um, expressed through these words. How do I say it? And it was really important for me not to get too didactic, not to get too um, judgmental, because I can do that, and to just go, this is what this book is going to be, and, this is, and, and then to look at it later on and go, oh my God, look what I did. And, and a major part is, if it all ends right now, if everything ends right now, I'm very proud of the work that I did. So a word that you used, and um, in fact, I was interviewing a, a fairly well-known improviser teacher um, and said, you're, you know, you're very spiritual. And they took, they, they kind of looked at me aghast and said, oh no, you know, they took it as religion, which we know is not what spiritual is. <clears throat> and the word inspiration and spiritual are connected. Spirituality. 
oh my God, this, this is all about spirit. Anybody, anybody who's doing, because what your, when I'm playing a character, I am playing the spirit of this other character. The spirit gets, goes into me and gets through me and, and I have nothing to do with it. I'm just, you know, this physical body here is an emotional delivery system that's being inspired by spirit. And, and I think that, you know, I, everybody has their own way of describing how is it that they got here. And when I say got here, what I mean is how did they get to become an artist? And everybody has their own little journey. But all that I know is the less I try to make this anything other than the spirit got into me and I'm holding on to the spirit, um, it becomes, I, I get too judgmental about it. Um, I think it's interesting that you say spirit and uh, inspiration is in, you said inspiration, the word spirit is in the word inspiration. What also is in the word inspiration or spirit or has a common denominator there is the word respiration. Respiration has that in it as well. So it's breath, it's feeling, it's, it's life, it's energy, it's oxygen. Um, and I think it's very interesting. Uh, the Hebrew word for spirit is the same word for wind. And I think that's very interesting. It's, it's ruach. And um, I think it's also interesting in a, uh, this cannot be denied. I'm always surprised that people go, oh, no, no, no. It's like, all right, fine, whatever, dude. But I know that the spirit is within you. Um, when you're when you're sailing and when you're sailing across the, the the globe you're going to hit a spot called the doldrums and the doldrums is a spot where there's no wind there's no spirit there's no air there's no respiration and you are stuck you are stuck in that moment because there's no wind in your sails like this all becomes very metaphoric and all that and we use the word doldrums hey it looks like you're in the doldrums you know that means it looks like you have no spirit coming at you and i'm sorry but when anybody gets and this is a major thing that that when when you start looking at things from uh, an emotional point of view um the emotion is the spirit and this work is all about spirit and when you start thinking about it because you cannot think yourself out of the doldrums this you cannot all that you can do is recognize the feeling that you're feeling and let that feeling keep moving forward what we haven't talked about in this podcast is my ted talk in my ted talk there's a lot about recognizing the feeling that you're feeling in that moment let that feeling sit in that feeling know that that feeling is there to teach you something and as much as you want to get out of that feeling that's all that matters is are you aware of the feeling? Are you aware of the spirit that's within you? And you are not in charge. I'm sorry, but you're not in charge of any of that. That's coming through. That's the TED Talk in Auckland? Yeah, yeah. Have you, have you I'll, remember? Yeah, I'll put a link to that in our uh, comment right. on this. Good. Uh, what do you think about the explosion of improvisation? Groups, theaters, classes, all of it. I love it. I love it because it allows me to go to different countries and eat food in fancy restaurants, which is really what the only reason I travel. Um, I love it. I think it's great. I think it can change the world. Anything that exposes people to the idea of the moment is all that matters uh, will help the universe. Um, because all that matters is this moment. All that matters is what, what all that all that we 
All that we know is what we're feeling in this moment. What am I feeling in this moment? That's all that matters. Um, we don't know where we're going to go, where we've been doesn't matter. So I, I love it. I, I love it. And I love that. Uh, I don't see a lot of improvisation. Um, that's outside of my classes. But um, when I see all these people doing, you know, improvised Dungeons and Dragons, and which is just like, I really, all right, I guess, um, or an in improvised television show, or my girlfriend teaches improvised uh, arias. She's an opera singer. So she teaches all of that. And anything that that allows people to realize that they have everything that they need, that they are fully self-contained and, uh, and they're not lacking anything other than a recognition that they have fantastic imaginations. Uh, that, that can, again, that can only serve the world in, in a positive way. Uh, and what I love is, because there's, there's all these different places, when people hire me to come in, uh, they don't know what it is that I do and I love that they don't know what it is that I do because I then get to turn them on to something absolutely new, turn them on to something that they've never known before. And that's exciting to me and that keeps me going. And you're excited, I think passionate about teaching. Yes, I am. I am. I remember uh, all the people, the great people that I, that I work with, I remember thinking, oh, they all know what they want to do. They know what the, picture of their life is and I always felt like I really don't know what I want to do all that I know is and I remember thinking about this I was probably 12 or 13 and I was thinking all that I know is I want to make a difference in people's lives not not my being in their life makes a difference but how do I get it so that they feel good about themselves and they walk away um, with tools that will help them help them live their lives in if not necessarily a happy way but a full way a realized way and a present way and that's all that i'm you know you're in charge of your own joy but all that i can do is say are you aware of what's going on now and when you find that which you love to teach keep teaching it <clears throat> uh, because what ends up happening is people end up uh helping you to study that more and uh, I get very moved by this but the greatest trick that an improv teacher can uh, the greatest trick that a teach a good teacher the, a good teacher's greatest trick is pretending that they're teaching when actually they're the students yep yep I keep thinking of that song Bob Dylan's line you got to serve somebody yeah I think oh, yeah. It's about service to each other yeah whether it's yeah of self absorption yeah and uh and one of the and, and you got to serve somebody and you also have to be able to receive things you know we're just not just giving it out let yourself receive these things uh and uh and ultimately it's serve your i i believe that it's it serve your spirit serve that thing that serve that thing that brings you most joy because when you when you serve that thing it brings you most joy it brings you joy and then other people are attracted to your joy and they that and then what we're doing is excuse the expression but it's a it's like a creative metastasization like it just keeps keeps building in, in a very creative loving way not in a cancerous way but in that way i've seen it I've seen it and I know I've seen it because I can, tra I travel all over the world and, um, you know, people aren't just coming to, people aren't just hiring me because they like what I'm teaching, which is great. I think that people are hiring me because they have a sense of community 
there's a sense of community that they haven't had before. A sense of community that's now built around something called being being present, being in the moment. And, and what better, what, what, there's nothing better than that. You know, the fact that I, this is my fifth time going to London and my classes are sold out months ahead of time. And I'm not saying that to go, aren't I great? It's like, oh, people are really eager to get this information. People are eager to experience this thing that we're doing together. And if I can be the facilitator to that, well, then great. Great. And, and, and what's also great is, you know, I've stopped uh, bringing notebooks um, because what, you know, there's a talking heads line, what good are notebooks? Um, when it, what I look forward to most is see somebody go, oh, I know what your challenge here is. I know what your problem here is. I know what, I know what needs to be done. I'm going to create, a, I'm going to create a, oh, an exercise right now for you. And when I create an exercise for that one person, I know that it's not just that one person that's having that trouble. I know it's a bunch of other people having that trouble. So they walk away feeling good about themselves and feeling like they've done something. And there's... Uh, there's nothing better to me than the aha moment when a student has an aha moment. You know, yeah, the money is good and all that, but it's really about, I watch them experience something that they've never experienced before. And it's like, oh, I, thank you. I love it. You let me sit, watch that. I'm going to give you a final word. And this has been so relaxing and easygoing today. I have to say, I love you, Dave. And the word is love. Yeah, that word chokes me up. It really chokes me up. Um, it's at the, at the center of everything, I think, is that vulnerability. Uh, opening, opening yourself up to what the world has to offer you. And I think the biggest lesson and it goes back to what i was just saying how do we expose people to the power of self-love uh i have i i it, we talk about therapy i've been doing i've been in therapy since i think my parents brought me to therapy when i was i want to say sixth grade so you know, went to therapy in sixth grade. I think I probably went to therapy in college. I, I, I nonstop, nonstop, you know, I'm 59. So I stopped at you know, 57. So it's not nonstop. So there were a lot of years. And what I was always yearning for is to love myself. Because the moment that, you know, how do we teach people that? How do we expose people that? Um, and it's a, um, uh, it's a practice. And the practice is best served when you're aware of how it is that you're talking to yourself. How is it that I'm treating myself? Would I treat any other person this way? Uh, and the word treat also is really important because how do I treat myself? It's not how do, I, how do I respond to myself, but how do I treat myself? What do I do for me? That's really a cool thing that I do for me. Uh, because I'm alone so often, uh, my own choice, because I'm alone so often, I get to be my best friend. Um, I laugh at myself. I buy myself really nice things, guilt-free. I always know what I want and I always know my size. So uh, it's, 
Like, how do we love ourselves? And, and the moment that we start feeling, and this is the important thing is, are you aware that you are feeling negative about yourself? Because if you're aware that you're feeling negative about yourself, that's 95% of the battle is to say, right now I'm feeling negative about myself. I'm going to take a moment right now just to go, okay, how do I, what do I substitute that negativity with? Because it's a matter of saying, okay, don't be negative. That's a don't note, which is fine, but it got to follow it up with a do note. Don't be negative with myself. And for me, the next line is this, laugh at yourself. Tell yourself that you can do this, whatever it's going to be, whatever challenge you have in front of you, I can do this. And whether you can do it or not, doesn't matter because you, you've just given yourself that, uh, you've just given yourself that challenge. I can do this, whatever it's going to be. For me, it was pooping on an airplane. You're like, oh my God, uh, that's the hardest thing to do. And I was like, I can do this, I can do it, I can do it. And once I knew I could do it, it's like everything else I can do. I can do whatever, I can do anything else. So it's a matter of, of laughing with yourself, loving yourself, appreciating yourself, looking in the mirror. And you know, it's really easy to pick out the things that you don't like about your body, but you have nothing to fucking do with the way your body looks. Nothing, you have nothing to do with it. I don't, this is the way that I look, and I have nothing to do with it. So you know what it is I get to do? I get to, I get to love myself. Because human beings are imperfect. We were born to be imperfect. And because we were born to be imperfect, we're perfect. We are perfect. A robot was created to be perfect. So when a robot is imperfect, that's a problem. But when a human being is imperfect, that's what we're here to be, imperfect. And we get to recognize that imperfection and celebrate that imperfection and know that we will never ever get it right, which is exactly what happens in improvisation. You don't wanna get it right, you wanna get it wrong. That's what keeps the scene going and dealing with that because that's what being a human being is about. Dealing with those situations, the moment that we're in those situations and, and, uh, and knowing that no idea what the outcome is going to be, but I do know this, there will be an outcome and I can't wait to find out what that is. But in the meantime, I'm going to sit in it, whatever that emotion is. Beautiful. Right? Well, <laughs> it is a gift to know you. Thank it you really so much. Is. I just can't say how much, how much you kind of changed, not just my improv game, but my thoughts, my being here. And you are so well loved by so many people, David. You really are. And so I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for doing this with me today. So thank I, you so much. Traveling, and I can't wait to hear your book. I'm sorry I interrupted you. Oh, that's okay. No, that, I was just thanking you. I've just been living in gratitude. <laughs> well, goodbye, my friend, and uh, good luck with everything that's happening. Or do I say break a leg? <laughs> you can say that. It's all good. I, the book's right. going to be wonderful. I can't wait to read it. <laughs> okay, I'll talk to you later. Okay, bye. Bye.